The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 75 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Kalati, at Gelati LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, we have Josh Roberts, at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. And John George, at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? Uh, Chris was unable to join us tonight. I had a scheduling conflict pop up, but we'll have that and much more for next week. A little bit of a tease. We're going to talk about that later, but... Uh, yeah, uh, the second kind of calm before the storm, waiting for just the whirlwind of worlds to, to show up here. Um, we had the group stage announcement yesterday, uh, the group draws for both the main event and the uh, play-in tournament were both yesterday, so we now have our groups for the, well, we have our groups for the play-ins for sure, and then probably have our groups for the main event as well, but we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, we had a couple interesting news topics that we're going to get to through talking about the teams for play-ins. And uh, I figure we'd open things up with what's been going on this week, which is we've had EU Masters. So, uh, John, Josh, you guys have been watching this more. We'll, we're we're going to send it over to John for the weather, the EU Masters weather. <laughs> what's the weather out there like, John? So, it's been – we had the, the quarterfinals the last two days. Uh some interesting matchups there. Kick got eliminated today, which I know is going to make a lot of people sad. Mouse Sports eliminated them. Uh, they're probably two of the best teams in the tournament, and it was a really good series. Uh, Kick, Kick absolutely decimated Mouse in one of the games. Mouse absolutely decimated Kick in one of the games. And then they had a kind of close game three. Um, a go Rogue beat Misfits Premier, who I think was um, a lot of people's one of their better teams. Uh, in this tournament so far, and Rogue beat them. So it's going to be Rogue against Maus in one of the semifinals. They were pretty big favorites, weren't they? Rogue were pretty big the, favorites in that spot. Or Misfits. Not were, big. No, nah, Rogue were favorites just minorly. Okay. Uh, but I think a lot of people liked Misfits there. Um, so but when Rogue plays Maus, the cool thing we get there is the two best mid laners in the tournament facing off, Leader and Chekalad. Chekalad probably has been my performer of the tournament so far, and Leader is obviously Leader and always has pretty good uh performances at eu masters so that one's pretty exciting i think the other side of the bracket is a little bit less exciting uh ldlc beat gamers origin two teams from france uh gamers origin had beaten them in the domestic league but ldlc pulled it out here uh defending champions continue to try to defend their titles and then gamer legion beat uh vodafone giants which was an upset gamer legion i think is is a lot of teams like fun team to watch this tournament because they play all kinds of weird stuff um, and I really, really like what they've been doing. I made a post about it on Twitter, but I really, really like what Gamer Legion is doing. I think 80 carries are kind of underpowered right now. And Gamer Legion has recognized that, and they're just saying, okay, we're just going to play our mages in the bot lane and our 80 carries in the mid or top lane. Yeah, Hjarnan plays all the mages Heimerdinger. down in the bot lane. He's played Ziggs and, and Heimerdinger. And then they let Knight, their mid laner, play an 80 carry most games. So that way, the fact that the 80 carries are a little weaker is made up for by the fact that he's on par in levels. 
which is, I think, a big problem that AD carries have had lately is that they can't keep up in levels with the solo laners. So they said, oh, we'll just put our AD carry in a solo lane, and then he can keep up in, in lanes or in levels with the solo with the solo laners. So I like what they've been doing. They're going to play against LDLC next. I imagine LDLC will be the favorites on that side of the bracket, and Maus will be the favorites on the bottom side of the bracket, would be my guess. Um, should be a couple good semifinals. I think the Rogue and Maus winner is is a large favorite to win the tournament, whoever wins that game. Should, yeah, should be pretty good. Josh, any thoughts? No, I, uh, I've i been watching kind of selectively as well. I thought – I was kind of hoping Misfits Premier could pull it out this morning against Rogue, but uh, it was just like a lot of – it was one of those series where the end result looks way worse than it really was. I thought um, they just had a couple near misses in, in some close team fights that just – they couldn't come back from. But they were – they kind of fell off. Like they came in looking like one of the most dominant teams and then they kind of slowed their role a little bit, but I'm, I'm just excited that, uh, that Mal's made it through. It's always fun to watch promiscue and, and leader run around and do fun things. I will say I might be a little bit biased because there's a specific type of league of legends that I like to see and teams that play that way. I think are teams that I tend to like lean towards wanting to bet. I, th- I think I like Rogue, because people come here for actual picks. I think I like Rogue to beat Maus, um, even though Maus should be the favorites in that matchup. Rogue tends to play my favorite type of composition, which is like kind of scaling AD carry, control mage in the mid lane that scales well, three tanks. Just and that's... that. That's core. Yeah, balance two core that scales well. They play that a lot with like Skarner in the jungle and things like that. And I think those kind of compositions play really well against the types of things that Maus plays. Like, they play leaders on an assassin almost every game. I think Skarner into assassins is absolutely fantastic. Three tanks into assassins, if they're playing well, is usually pretty good. So I, I think I kind of like Rogue to beat Maus, even though I think Maus will end up being the favorites when the odds come out. I think I'm probably going to end up on a lot of Rogue in that matchup. So who do we think is taking this whole thing down? Rogue? Yeah, I mean, if I think Rogue beats Maus, I think Rogue wins the tournament. I think the bottom side of the bracket with Rogue and Maus is a lot stronger than the top side of the bracket with Gamer Legion and LDLC. So if Maus wins, I think Maus will win the tournament, and if Rogue wins, I think Rogue will win the tournament. All right, so you feel the same way, Josh? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be Maus, but same same concept. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think the two teams that got eliminated on the bottom side of the bracket in the last two days, Kick and Misfits Premier, I think both probably would have made the semifinals on the top side of the bracket in pretty much any pairing. So just a much stronger bottom portion of the bracket. All right, cool. So there's our uh, there's our, our weather. Uh, back for news at 11, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's always an interesting tournament for sure. Um I want to try to like set time aside for it next year because I almost never is like my downtime, and I've been spending this time going over uh, all these play-in teams and the wildcard region teams and reviewing vods because I wasn't watching them over the course of the season as much. So, uh, got to kind of pick my battles. I'll, I'll delegate to you guys to since I know you guys are like really into this tournament anyway, so it ends up working out. But I do want to try to make some time for it next year for sure. All right, so past ten point nineteen dropped today. Uh, a lot of the changes that were announced last week did end up staying final. Uh, I just wanted to quickly run down a couple of the ones that I think might be relevant for Worlds, because this is the Worlds patch. So, the proposed Caitlyn nerfs did go through. She got her scaling attack speed, which is, uh, she, she gets half a 
she got half a percent attack speed taken off per level, which ends up being, you know, 9% at 18, so that's kind of a big deal. And her base AD nerfed back down to what it was before they buffed it in 10-15. So it's back to... A two base AD nerf doesn't seem like a lot, but when you have base AD on a champion that's got the highest level one range, it is a big deal. So uh, that's why that's relevant. I think this is probably the biggest nerf out of all of these. Caitlyn is kind of uh, a stat checking AD carry in much the same way that we have like you know Olaf and like stat checking like Volibear in the top lane, right? Just like a stat check champion, he's a fundamentally better champion than you because his numbers are better, but he does have counterplay to him. Caitlyn's kind of the same way, but at AD carry it's a lot more it's a lot harder to find the counterplay to it. So when Kate's strong, she's just always going to be blind pickable. You have to ban her from red side, etc. So I think she's probably still playable in certain spots and I think some teams probably will still play her just because it's something comfortable that they've been playing for the last two months or three months so I think it's going to push her down a little bit and it's going to that, that was the aim they wanted to diversify the pool but there is a chance that we just don't see very much Caitlyn at all if people think that the nerfs are big enough and the other champions kind of stayed similar so um, any thoughts on Caitlyn or I'm just going to go through these yeah no that's it that seems I think they probably just wanted to make it so she wasn't 100% pick fan. Yeah, and I, I think that, that was the main intent here, and they said that. They said as much as they, they didn't want the metagame to be, like, you know, clamped down and narrow because of her. So I guess I'll touch on the other AD carry big nerf. So Senna got the drop rate on her souls cut in half. What this means, uh, basically it means that, the like, scaling is going to be slower. Uh, right now... Senna, like, she still scales infinitely, hypothetically. Like, you can just keep stacking it up, which is why late-game Senna is just so terrifying. She's just three, three shots your AD carry from behind her front line. It's like, what is this? This is dumb, right? So they cut the drop rate in half to kind of cut down on how fast she gets to that absurd point. To me, I think Senna is more than that. It's not the reason she's strong. The reason she's strong is because she opens up this entire plethora of different strategies that you can do. And just... The, they didn't touch the the main thing that's powerful about her, which is the double swing aspect of both her ultimate and her Q, and then the versatility of her E. So, Senna's still going to be strong. I think she's still going to be picked a lot. Uh, if you look at, like, the Super Server solo Q, I know, Josh, you've been watching a lot of this stuff. Um, she's still getting played. Uh, you know, obviously, she's not as much a solo Q champion. She is a pro, like, a organized play champion, because it's a lot harder to execute that kind of stuff, and, you know... But she's still getting played. She's still going to be relevant. It's she's an incredibly powerful champion. So I think that's the other big nerf. But I think you just uh, on the Senna because I've been playing a lot of AD carry recently, and obviously I don't play at the professional level. But I've been spamming all AD carry games, and Senna's in almost every game. Yeah. Do you think that this nerf in particular makes her much harder to play because her laning phase is a lot weaker? Because what I note is that Senna is god awful in lane until she gets enough souls that she can outrange you. Yeah. Um, like I find her like level one through whatever to be just awful. Like yeah. if you, you people just stomp on her. And so that's what I think really might hurt her here is not her overall kit is still pretty good, but I'm not sure that they're going to be able to play into really good 80 carries playing. like strong laning champions yeah. if they're so, playing. So what's interesting about this is with the Caitlyn nerfs, that was a trade that was frequently happening was Kate for Ash or Kate for Senna. If teams wanted to play that game, we did see some teams do that. They were just like, yeah, take the Caitlyn. We don't want to waste a ban on it, right? And that was, you know, kind of tricky. She was able to lane pretty well against Senna, but Senna relies heavily on her support, which is why you frequently see her paired with, like, bull, like you know, Thresh, Nautilus, 
stuff like that that you can combo CC with the W on. And that has like a strong level level two, level three to kind of get her there at first. I think just fundamentally the champion's really it's just powerful. It's just a really powerful effect. Double swing effects are, you know, John, I've been telling, I was telling, explaining Santa to a friend of mine. I explained it as like Lightning Helix, the champion. And for those that don't know, it's like a magic card that uh, it does damage and heals you at the same time for one spell, and you pay like a little bit extra, but the rate is like significantly better. So it's just a tremendous value at all times. I think just her overall utility, the team comps that allow her to open up. Once you get ahead as a team with her on your team, you just have to play fights slow. And you win. Like you can't beat her later in the game. It's just really difficult. So she's not I don't think she's going anywhere. Uh this maybe takes her offline for like these crazy mid game two item spikes that she gets. Maybe pushes that like half an item. But I I, I still think she's gonna be really popular. Um I really got her ultimate buffed a lot. Uh big damage buff to her ultimate. Uh, especially at higher levels. Uh, I think we we're probably already gonna see some Irelia at this tournament anyway with some of the players here. And she's kind of an interesting counterpick in some spots, uh, both mid lane and top lane. She's a, notably a very strong Orn, Orn counter. So I I think this is definitely going to incentivize teams to play her. And Irelia is a really fun champion to watch, especially if the players are really exceptionally good. So uh, Players like playing her too, so I definitely yeah. think we'll see her. Yeah, I, you want to talk about a champion that can take over a game. Irelia does it as well as pretty much anybody, so... Yeah, I think we'll, we'll we're going to see some Irelia. We were already kind of seeing it here and there, but uh, I, I think we're going to see you know at least a handful of picks on it for sure. Uh, check them champs, champ prop markets. See if like oh like over under on how many Irelia games we see, maybe something like that. Um, Lucian got a slight nerf to his scaling. Uh, he got like a tiny nerf to his scaling AD. I don't think this affects him really at all. Uh, what makes what makes Lucian strong is they buffed like just the base damage on his Q. And they buffed, they added extra shots to his ultimate. So that's kind of what made him, that pushed him into viability before. They didn't change any of that. And the scaling nerf ends up being like 8 AD at 18, which is kind of big, but, you know, not that big a deal for his kit necessarily. And maybe this will push people actually into actually building him right for a change. So that, that that's a, another interesting topic. So I think Lucian's going to be Lucian's going to be one of the one of the, the feature picks of this tournament. I, I think he's going to be near like pretty close to 100% Pictor banned. Uh, that or his influence will force something else like Lilia or Evelyn to become 100% Pictor banned. So whether or not it's actually him or not, Lucian is going to have a large impact on this tournament. Like whether it's hidden or out in the open uh, in drafts this tournament, I think he's going to be like maybe the highlight real like maybe he might be the feature champion of the whole tournament. Because I don't think these nerfs are enough, and you know the two point five roll flex, and the fact that it opens up all these AP junglers, I think is something you're going to see. That's something I forgot to mention with Irelia too, by the way. Uh, Irelia definitely opens up some of these AP junglers as well. So Lilia, uh, not as much Karthus, but like Lilia and uh, Evelyn especially. So what else? Silas got his ult buffed, basically cooldown reduction. Probably makes it relevant for top lane, like counterpicking Orn and stuff like that. Uh, they didn't change any of his damages. He still has some of the same issues. Doesn't scale very, or has a rough early game. Has kind of get through, get there. But his ult is a forty second cooldown at level sixteen now. They took twenty seconds off of it, and then you have cooldown reduction. You're going to be able to get that ultimate down to you know twenty four seconds, like a Lux ultimate almost, which could be insane if he just takes two ults in a fight. That's that's pretty ridiculous. So 
Selfmade has been abusing kids with Silas Jungle. Yeah, on the I can see that. He's, see that. he's been absolutely ruining. Like, I've seen him force pretty much single-handedly like four or five 15-minute forfeits yeah. on Silas. It's it's crazy. Uh, and I'm surprised just the way you described it there that it is um, good in the jungle because usually, you know, you'd need – you would think you would need more. But I don't know. For some reason, he's been just smacking people around with it real yeah, he, bad. He ends up being sort of like like a better echo in the jungle. Like his clear is better because of the, the W and everything. But uh, I, I think that's another option that gets opened up by Aurelia and Lucian, by the way, is you can play him. And I bet in a lot of those games that he's playing, him, I'd probably half of them have one of those, right? Or a Pantheon or something like that, right? Uh, what else? Twisted Fate, I think, is maybe the most interesting one on this list. Uh, so they took five base movement speed off, which is doesn't seem like a big deal to most people, but we see how big a deal it can be. Uh, five base movement speed off Karthus made him you know, borderline unplayable. Five movement speed added back to him. All of a sudden, he's like a tiered jungler pick again, right? Uh, a little bit different, but... Twisted Fate is so much about his movement speed. His entire kit is about being able to get in range for gold cards, get in range, you know... Alt and be able to catch up to a play, utilize his movement speed to to space you in lane, especially against like melee matchups, and it allows players with that are very very good with him to you know have more skill expression with him. This nerf potentially just pushes him out altogether. I don't I don't think that'll be the case because I think that this might end up being kind of like the Caitlyn situation where teams have been playing him and they feel practiced with it. So it's not going to be like a new pick, and there's going to be some teams that aren't going to play new stuff. They're just going to play what's been working for them. And a lot of teams at this tournament, Twisted Fate's been working for them for more reasons than just his movement speed. But uh, this one's interesting. I think this has potential to be a Feast or Famine kind of change. It could appear to be nothing, or it could make teams completely want to be off of him now. So I think this one's maybe the most polarizing one. So we'll see. And then one more note. Uh, Vayne did get her ultimate buffed, 10 AD per level. Doesn't seem like a lot, but Vayne's level 6 spike is crazy, so if people are going to be trying to play like Senna and stuff like that, I could definitely see people just trying to do level 6 all-in comps with Vayne. Especially some of these underdog wildcard teams that, you know, need to throw a Hail Mary. I think Vayne could be a good one, but... Uh, there are some other champions in the metagame that she's pretty good against. As yeah. a as a Jin main, she can destroy Jin if she's a really good player, so... Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I could see her maybe finding her way in and around. Yeah. Vayne top. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen say. I've seen a couple of vein tops running around uh, in in the super server as well. Yeah, vein top. So like again, abusing the soul lane eighty carry issue where you can get to level six faster. That's that's she got her like it's already a big buff. Now her ult it just adds a boatload of AD at level six. So you just ult and you just are just stronger than everybody. Period. So you just like kill someone like and a lot of times it's a counter pick anyway. So it's just going to amplify things. I could see it against some weird stuff like even. Probably against, like, Orn. You maybe see it against, like, Renekton and stuff like that. So, also of note, uh, later in the game does a pretty good job 1v1-ing things like Lucian. So, the thing with Vayne, I don't know how much we'll see. There might be some teams that try it, but the thing with Vayne is that she's really bad against the other things that are good. Like, mostly the control mages. She's really, really bad. Like, she, you can't siege with her as an AD carry, so you need your sieging ability from somewhere else. So, maybe Zig's AD carry, something like that. We'll see. Just thought it was interesting because it was a pretty heavy-handed buff to that champion that hasn't gotten one in a while, and it's one of those exciting champions that they like to have out at Worlds. So. No Uzi at Worlds. Oh. Maybe we get a Vayne buff, huh? 
Rip, right? Shame on you, Riot. Shame <laughs> on you. A year late, right? All right, so that I think that was the big takeaways from the patch. Um, I think if you have further questions, I could I could go deep on this for a little while. But if you have further questions, hit me up on Twitter with what you think um, people are going to be playing, uh, or what you th- what I think people are going to be playing. What you know, ch- tier list for each of the roles is, et cetera. So I've been kind of looking into that as well. So hit me up there. Hit me up on the esports department Discord for sure. So, all right, play-ins. We have the groups now. Uh, before we go into that. I just wanted to quickly run down the format. So, again, we have 10 teams instead of 12 now because of the VCS issue. Two two groups of five teams. It's going to be single round robin. Each team is going to play two games on red, two games on blue, randomly decided, I think. And they get one game against each person and each team in their group. So they're going to play each team once. Uh, first place from each group automatically advances to the main stage, period. That's it. You get first place in the group, you advance to the main stage. Um... Did I write third and... F- oh, no. So, the next round, the knockout stage for play-ins is going to be third versus fourth in each league, or in each group, play a best of five. The winner of that will play the second seed from the opposite group. So what's kind of cool about this format is there were some bad things. There were some issues we had with it, right? What's kind of cool is that we're going to see multiple best of fives. Like, we're going to see, what, four best of fives here, which is kind of cool. Um, I think it's the same, right? So it ends up being like the same, and we're gonna see like some cross group play here too, which could make this interesting. Uh, and then the winner of those matches, uh, so th- three and four play each other, then they play the second from the opposite group. Winner of those match will be the fifteenth and sixteenth seed in the main event. So we got our group announcements here. Uh, any comments on the format, by the way? It seems seems reasonable. I like actually that they let third and fourth play a series against each other. Normally, like, teams that came down in that region of the groups would not play a big series. I, I kind of like that we get to see a best out of five yeah. of of a team like maybe Legacy or Rainbow Seven or somebody like yeah. that gets to play a best of five. I think the other neat thing about it, too, is so we would get to – normally we'd get to see four games. That's it, right? So we do actually kind of get to see more of these teams – we get to see four teams, and then for an extra two of them, we're going to see an, an, a best of five, right? Which we normally wouldn't get to see, which is kind of cool. So uh, there's good and bad to it. I think it's it's. I'm, I think I'm coming around to it a little bit. All right, so we got the group draws, and they were kind of spicy. They they got kind of stacked up, right? This was this made. The, I think the draw actually made this really interesting because Group A appears fairly stacked to me. I would have actually, I would have loved to see Unicorns of Love in Group A. Oh, yeah. And have it be like a a really stacked A group. So, Group A is Mad Lions, Team Liquid, uh, uh, Power Power Supermassive from Turkey, Legacy from Oceania, and INTZ from Brazil. Uh, Group B is LGD from LPL, uh, Palace Saint Germain Talon from the PCS, Unicorns of Love from the LCL. Rainbow Seven from Latin America and V3 Esports from Japan. So, let's. Uh, which which group do you guys want to do first? I figured the way we'll do this is, I wanted to discuss the format, introduce the groups, and I've been doing a fair amount of research <clears throat> on all these play-in teams. So I figured I'd intro the lesser-known teams here, basically, and just give you like a, a brief summary. Uh, which group do you guys want to start with? Let's do A first. All right. So Group A, I think the hits 
Uh, Mad Lions and Team Liquid, we know. I'm not going to spend time going into them. We kind of know what to expect from them, and we'll talk about what we think of them in the context of these other teams in just a second. But uh, let's introduce the other teams from this league. So Supermassive from Turkey are a team that we've seen at Worlds before, a known a household name. Uh, the Turkish... Like, the TCL historically has represented very well at Worlds. I'd argue they're the best or second best of the uh, wildcard regions if you exclude the LMS, which was basically, like, a major region for a long time. So, Turkey, I think, has probably... I haven't, like, actually gone through and checked their records, but Turkey probably has the best overall record at Worlds, even if the LCL has the deepest run from Aldisnox Luna, right? So, historically, a pretty strong region, a pretty deep league overall, too. Uh, I think the top three teams were all pretty good. Uh, but what's interesting here is Supermassive, I would argue, were probably the third best team in Turkey this season. Over, uh, I'll say over the course of the summer, and then I'll tag in some of the spring as well. But what's interesting about them is they brought in two free agents, uh, two very familiar names, uh, one probably a future Hall of Famer, Although, I don't know, he's been kind of all over the place the latter end of his career here in Cacao. So, Supermassive is Armut, Cacao, Balulu, who is new, uh, Zeitnot, and Snowflower. Four of these have been to Worlds before. Uh, Balulu, this will be his first time, his first rodeo. Uh, I had a couple key measurables. They were plus 159 gold differential per minute, plus 1898 gold differential at 15, which is pretty good considering I don't, I didn't think that they were necessarily the best team in this league. Uh, 39% first blood, which is which makes that gold differential at 15 even more impressive, by the way. And a 44.2% wards cleared rate, which is actually on the lower end of all the teams in this tournament. Uh, I think the key player here to watch out for is Balulu. It's his first event. I think he's been the best player on this team. Uh, he was one of the best players in the entire league there. Completely dominated. Plays a whole bunch of different stuff. But for this team overall, uh, this was kind of an upset. Uh, they... Beat the top two seeds on their way to winning the title. They, it looks like they kind of needed time to integrate Snowflower and Cacao when they brought them in because as they just got better and better as the season went on. So there's a chance this is kind of like a TSM situation where they just kind of got better as it went went along, and that's maybe part of the reason why they're here. Uh, what else did I write down here? I'll note that. They did go to five games against the number four seed in the finals. So the summer finals was actually number three against number four in Turkey. So the two, I would argue the two best teams weren't even in the finals. So it doesn't make these teams bad, but they went to five games against five Ronin. And I think that might be something to note moving forward in terms of the overall strength here. I think these two teams were like a half a tier down from the other two teams, uh, the Wildcats and Galacticos. So... Turkey maybe not sending their best team, but I do think this is a veteran team. These teams, this team has represented at Worlds before. Uh, they don't really do anything weird or out of the meta. So if the meta game gets kind of non-standard or weird, I could see this team struggling. They're kind of just like a balanced vanilla, you know, balanced two core mid game kind of team, and. I do think they perform much worse off their comfort pick. So I think if the meta gets a little weird here, they're going to have a really hard time. I'll pass it to you guys if you have any thoughts on Supermassive because a lot of these players are pretty familiar to you guys if you've seen them before. Um, my only thoughts on Supermassive is kind of in relation to 
the other teams in the group. So I guess I'll talk about it more okay, once yeah, we'll, we we'll, we'll put a cap on it and do it that way. Josh, any thoughts on that? Or would you want to do the same thing? We'll just put a cap on it that way. No, uh, I was just going to say, I think um, we may have some disagreement on this, um, but I, I'm, I'm cautious about waiting the whole like world's experience thing yeah. uh, too much. So like, I think this could be a situation where people are going to hype up this team because they have a bunch of experience at worlds. And I would just, I wouldn't go overboard with that narrative. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Me. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too, uh, for sure, because I think that's a, a feature with a couple of these teams. Um, so that's super massive. They're going to be representing Turkey. Uh, also from Group A, we have INTZ from Brazil. Uh, another upset. This is going to be kind of a theme of this play-in, and we haven't had anything quite like this before. So INTZ were the number three seed heading into the summer playoffs for Brazil in CBLOL. They, again, looked kind of a cut below the top teams. I think Payne looked way better than everybody else in Brazil this season. Uh, Brazil's kind of a wild league if you've watched it. There's a lot of kills. It's sort of like the VCS a little bit and that it's just like a complete, you know, solo queue shit show sometimes. So you can have some uh, warped numbers for sure, but Steam had a 1761 gold differential or uh, gold per minute rate, which is the lowest in this tournament, I think. Uh, I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's the lowest in the tournament of all the teams, all every single team, all 22. Uh, not a good economy team. Uh, I think probably the player to they the, the player to watch here is probably Envy. The mid laner plays everything. He's he's actually really really good. I think so. If they're gonna win, I think it's gonna be through him. Um, and this team like turned it around the second they subbed him in because they ran with a different mid laner for the first half of spring, so they were a lot better second half of spring on. Um, they tend to play. So they're like a scaling team. They tend to play scaling uh, compositions just in general, but they utilize counter pick very frequently. Like they don't they don't blind pick vanilla good champions a lot. They usually say that for uh, bottom lane and jungle. They counter pick their solo lanes a lot. So uh, Tay and Envy get you know carte blanche for what they want to be doing. They'll play stuff like Kale, Camille. They will hard counter top lane and mid lane if they want to. And both those cha- both those players have played a lot of champions this season. So that kind of thing can be pretty good in the best of one. I think if you're going to look for a redeeming characteristic for this team to get out of groups, I think that's it, is that they're one of the more aggressive counterpicking group or teams at this tournament, like for everybody. I think it's just a matter of overall play quality and what you guys think of Brazil in general. I tend to think the league has st- taken a big step down from years past. Uh, Brazil used to be like Turkey, where it was like one of the stronger representatives, but in the past three or four years, that has not been the case at all. It's it's kind of taken a downturn. Uh, and again, INTZ are yet another case of a, a region maybe not sending their best team to this tournament. But unlike Supermassive, who I think the players are good enough and it actually makes sense and I could see them having a good showing at Worlds, I don't see INTZ doing too much. And, you know, any, any thoughts on them? But we'll talk about them in the context of the group for sure. Yeah, uh, I think INTZ is the weakest team in the group. Um, I haven't done a ton of research, but what stood out to me is, like you say, they, they're a scaling drafting team for the most part, but they fight all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a really hard time getting away with that against really good teams. Against yeah. dra- drafting like scaling compositions and then trying to fight a level four or whatever is 
not going to work out well against teams that are pretty good and are drafting earlier strength compositions. I think it requires when you're, if you're going to do that, it requires outplaying your opponents and they're going to have a lot harder time outplaying teams that are here, I think versus the teams domestically. So they're my weakest team in the group for me. Yeah. Josh, what do you think? Uh, I like the Brazilian region as a whole, just like to watch. Um, But I was like really surprised when I flipped to their finals, just because I hadn't, I hadn't paid too close of attention during the um, the playoff run. When I flipped to the finals and saw that they were in it and winning, I was like, what is going on here? So yeah. um, they're definitely – it's like uh, – they'd be like FlyQuest was last year where it was kind of like they just always – or last split, I should say, where it's like they're just always playing scaling. But it, it was just so weird in that region specifically because – Everyone in Brazil just loves to fight all the time. Yeah. Like it's like it's like LPL on steroids. So very odd that they ended up being the representatives there, I thought. Yeah, I think the thing to note from Brazil is this Brazil kind of felt a little bit like like a Cloud Nine and NA situation. Where you have a couple teams like the second, third, fourth teams are all like decent, but for the entirety of the season, Payne looked so much better than everybody. And they just had a bad playoff run. So, I mean, they, they struggled. They went to five games against Prodigy, and then they just lost outright 3-1 to one to INTZ in finals. They just had they just had a bad playoff. And unfortunately for these wildcard teams, they don't get a second shot. They only get to send one team. That's kind of like a bad thing about this whole – that's like could be like a side topic. It's kind of a bad thing about these really smaller regions is that this can happen. We haven't had this happen too often. Usually the best team – ends up going to Worlds. But this year, it's kind of interesting. Like We definitely don't have the best team from some of these regions going because there were a lot of upsets. So I think INTZ are maybe the most glaring example of that. I think they were much worse than the best team in their division in, the, in their league as opposed to some of these other teams, which were at least like kind of close, like maybe half a tier difference, if that, compared to like the better teams in their league. So... I think INTZ are, are going to have a really hard time. I agree with you guys. I think they're the worst team in this group for sure. Um, next up, we have Legacy from uh, the OPL. Uh, Legacy are maybe the best OPL representative ever. This team dropped 11 maps this entire year. Playoffs, summer, spring, everything. They dropped 11 maps, period. They went 47-11 and 11 on the season. So they completely dominated their league. They had a plus 230 goal differential per minute. Uh, in summer, uh, 1852 gold per minute as a team, 47.9% awards cleared, which is on the higher end, and a plus 2,069 gold differential at 15 in summer. Um, this whole team is pretty good. They completely dominated this league. Uh, this is See, when I see a representative from wildcard region, this is what I want to see. The, the strength of competition is obviously lower, so when you want a, a representative from these leagues – I want to see a team that's that's doing their job and completely destroying everyone because that's what they should be doing, right? So, to me, the key player on this team is Babip, the jungler. The whole game revolves around him. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, not in the champions that he plays, but actually it is kind of. like He's a lot like Peanut for LGD. The entire game runs through him. Everything is about him. If he gets that team going, they just steamroll everything. In their few losses, there were games where he didn't get them going. He plays all he plays all the relevant junglers right now. He's insane on the farming junglers. He can play the ganking stuff like Lee Sin and Trundle and Set. Uh, their mid laner is a more supportive mid laner. So I would actually maybe not LGD, but 
I would maybe compare them closer to Victory 5. Or not Victory 5, I'm, I'm WE. That's what I meant to say. In, you have, like, Teacher Ma and Beishong. And Beishong is kind of, like, the feature player on that team besides the AD carry. And it ends up, you know, making the AD carry look better when they can, you know, get them through the mid-game and early game and get them to that scaling point so he gets to look good. So I think that's kind of the, the formula for Legacy. I think it's a good formula to be playing right now. They remind me a lot of, of those teams, uh, like kind of like a Cloud9 like WE hybrid a little bit all about the jungler with this team. Any thoughts? Yeah, I do think you're right that this is probably the best representative that they've sent or at least very close. Yeah. I do think the OPL got hurt by that like kind of exodus. They've had their recent exodus where a lot of their best players went to Europe or North America. Yeah, Rioma and um, Destiny were the the two Yeah, future. for people that didn't know FBI. Yeah, FBI went to, as well. FBI, Rioma, Destiny all, all went away, which were some of the best players in the OPL in past seasons. Um, even King and Triple, uh, who were both on the representative last year, are both in North America now. So a lot of their better players left, which I think hurt the league a little bit. But I do think this is one of the better representatives they've sent. Um, looking at the whole group, since I assume that's where we're going next. Yeah. Kind of the way that I view this group is I place Team Liquid as like a six. Let's say we have, we're using a scale of one to ten. Yeah. I think Team Liquid is a six. Mad Lions is a four through nine. So they're somewhere, <laughs> they're like lower ceiling than, or lower floor than Team Liquid, but a much higher ceiling. And then Supermassive and Legacy are just step-down versions of Mad Lions for me. So like, say Supermassive is a three through seven, and Legacy is a two through six. So all those teams, I think, are capable of being like the top two seeds in this group if if the things play out the right way. With Liquid for me being like the most stable, I think they're, I think Liquid's almost guaranteed to be a top two seed in this group. Where Mad Lions could get completely upset, but is probably the favorite to be number one. Yeah, and Supermassive and, and Legacy have ceilings that where they could outperform a Mad Lions or a Liquid. Yeah, so I think uh, that's a good segue into the experience discussion because that's the big, that's one of the big things working against mad lions here. Right. So this is as good. This is as good an example in this group as any to talk about this. So mad lions, nobody's been to worlds before. These guys are all new. This is their first experience doing this. This is going to be the first land they've played in what, how many months now? Six months. Um, yeah, it's, there is. I'm just gonna throw it out there that there is a chance that Mad Lions don't handle this situation well and self destruct. I don't think that'll happen. I think this team has shown a lot of you know mental fortitude in places that have been challenging to them, and they've done it time and time again, and they've been tested domestically. So I, I, I think this is gonna be Mad and Liquid, um, but. Again, the format's going to be different. So, who's getting out? I agree with you, John, and I kind of got some shit for saying this. I said something about this on Twitter, and people were kind of coming after me for it. But I said Liquid have the best chance to actually get out of this group, like, to get to the main event. Like, I, again, because of the floor, right? I, I, Liquid yeah, just are I what think... they are. Like, they're just solid. They might not punch up very well, but they're just good. And... I think I agree with you. And I think Mad Lions, there's another storyline that, that hasn't really been touched on there, which is that... They just honestly weren't that good in the second half of summer and playoffs. Yeah, they were not, they were not that impressive. They're they're the most impressive thing they did between the second half of summer and playoffs is beating Schalke, and that kind of depends on how you feel about Schalke in general. Yeah, I don't think highly of Schalke, so I thought I expected them to do that. But to me, I'm just gonna I'm sorry, I'm like interrupting you, but I want to get this oh, no, out. You're good. I, 
if you look at it, they've only really lost or looked bad against very good teams. So their their second half of summer was not impressive. I can't remember what their exact record was. I'd have to look, but it wasn't like they didn't do great. They were like five and four or something in the second half of summer. Yeah, it was like not an impressive record. And then in the playoffs, they got they they beat Schalke and then they lost to to Rogue fairly handily. So like they just didn't really look super impressive in the second half of summer in the playoffs. I think there's some chance that like this meta is just not suiting them very well, and that they might just come in here and lose just because they're not that good at this meta. Yeah, um, just kind of getting it back to the experience discussion, but because like I think that's a good context to look at this group in and to kind of touch on because like Josh said, I think people tend to overrate the experience narrative. But I think if there is going to be an underperforming team <clears throat> of these four major teams. I actually think Mad Lions are probably it, and I'm a big LGD hater, so we're going to talk about them in a little bit. But I think for rookies, I think what you've said is right. Even though I think they've mostly only lost to pretty good teams, like at least in playoffs, they haven't looked quite themselves. But uh, every other team in this group besides INTZ has had people – actually, Legacy have. I think Legacy's all new players, right? Yeah, Legacy's all new players. None of these guys have been here before, so – uh, Legacy and Mad Lions are the, the, the new guys, and then all these other teams have represented, have like been to Worlds before. Uh, Liquid had four out of five. I think Supermassive all five, or I think Supermassive four out of five have been there. And um, INTZ, I think, have nobody, so I think they might be new too. So, does experience win out here? Like, so who's, who, who, do we think Liquid's getting out of this group? Are, the num- are they going to be the number one seed or number two? Obviously, we're gonna have, we're gonna talk about the other group in just a second because we have to do the cross league. Like, uh, like who's fit? Like, just do the rankings for this group. Like, just off the top of your head. Obviously, we I haven't think Mad Lions and, and Team Liquid are like roughly fifty fifty between who comes first and and who comes second. Although okay, so they're the top two. Yeah, and then I think it's super massive legacy INTC. That's my my rankings of it. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I I mean I personally think Mad wins it. Um, just because I think their versatility will serve them well in terms of like just having a lot they can do in draft. And then I think, uh, specifically Carzy will stand out. Um, just cause like it seems like in world it tends to come down to like just who can execute the best. And he's one of the most mechanically talented players in EU, yeah. all of EU altogether. So, um, I like, I like them to get out and then definitely liquid. Um, and then the others, I'll just kind of trust you guys' opinion on, honestly, because I'm not super well-versed on, on the emerging regions yet. Yeah, for, for me, what's kind of interesting is <clears throat> I don't think the gap between these teams is that big. But it's not because I think that, like, it's weird to say that after, like, especially Supermassive, maybe not the best representative. But I do think Supermassive have the players and, like, they're they're equipped to make a run here. It's not like they have, like, inferior weapons, basically. Like, they have players, right? All these players are good. We've all seen them show well on the world stage before, right? All of them. So, oh, besides Balulu. But he's also been a savage this year. So, unless he self-destructs, which could happen. I think Power Power and and Legacy are actually, like, Supermassive and Legacy, I think, are actually pretty close because I think Legacy is actually good, like, legitimately good. Uh, Like, watching their film, they, they just do so many things right, and... They're the kind of aggressive, up-tempo team that I could actually see. They Let Legacy be your Cloud9. 
honestly, like that's like the I think the best comp is like let them be your cloud nine for NA fans. Let them be cloud nine for you because I think that's going to be like the closest thing you can get. Um, if I had to pick between those two, who ends up going on in this tournament, it'll probably be dependent on the matchup they pick, which we're going to get to in a bit. I think it's probably super massive, but I do think it's very, very close. I think it's a coin flip. So, yeah, I the only thing I know for sure is I don't I don't think INTZ is even going to take a game here. I think they they probably just go 0-4 and they're done. Um, I think INT I, I think INTZ and and we're going to get to Group B in just a second. V three I think are probably the two worst teams in the tournament. So <clears throat> I don't see the, either of them doing anything. They're just not as good. As these other teams, they have much worse players. Their overall team numbers are way worse, and they play in weaker leagues, in my opinion. So, all right. So that's Group A. Uh, group B, we have LGD, which is kind of a household. Na- well, it's becoming a household name. Uh, just briefly touching on LGD, I think we're kind of all, maybe we're not all in in, in agreement here. LGD is definitely not the fourth best team in the LPL, right? No, I don't think they're the fourth best team in the LPL. Do you think they're the I've, fifth best team in the LPL? They're, they're probably. I'd have to look at the list again to see exactly where I'd rank them. Like, I think that Invictus is better than them. Do you, all right, so you think Invictus is better than them? We're going to talk about this in just a second. So, Invictus, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I thought Invictus was better than them. I do think they're better than FPX and them and RNG. How about Victor? Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, them victory five. I, I like victory five more than them too. I don't even know. Yeah, they're like the same team to me. Except I like the way victory five plays better. Does that makes sense. Consistent. Yeah, like yeah. I think what's, the, I, I guess the the and then you can make arguments for like EDG and RNG too because RNG, as two faced as they were, like had a pretty strong finish to the season. You could take from that what you will, but. The, the main point I'm trying to make here is that I think – and I want to touch on this because I think it's a big deal, and I think a lot of people, if you look at, like, the ESPN ratings and, like, all these other, like, lists that are coming out and, and just, like, overall public perception, I think, is that LGD are just being upgraded because they play in the LPL. And while I think strength of strength of competition is very important, I think people put too much weight on it. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I mean, I think the team that they had to beat to get here is better than any of the teams that are in their playing group. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's pretty like straightforward that if they can if they can beat those teams, they have a yeah pretty darn good chance of beating these teams. So here's what I think: I think LGD are getting out of this group almost 100. Uh, percent Just overall player quality um, consists like they they just are what they are, and I think this te- this group is interesting, but not quite as stacked as the other group, right? It would be a lot more interesting. We're going to talk about the other teams in just a second, but LGD are basically a lot to get out of this group. I'll note for people that didn't watch the LPL that LGD are a very feast or famine team. When they get behind in games, they look completely lost and incapable of winning a game. So it is all on peanut to get them ahead early. He's just very good at it. So take from that what you will. Just I just wanted to make a point and note that LGD are being treated like one of the best teams in the world, and I really don't think they're on the same level as as the other LPL representatives at this tournament. I think there were two, maybe three teams that would have been better representatives for the LPL at this tournament. 
And I'm not just preaching this because I'm an LGD hater. I want I just want people to know because there's a lot of people out there just lumping them into all the LPL teams. And even though I think they're probably a lot to get out of this, when we get to group stage, I think we're going to see some things that it's going to be more interesting because like I don't I don't think they're on the same level, but they're being treated like they are. Have you guys seen like a lot of the same things I'm thinking? Like, yeah, they're they're I just would... they're just being automatically lumped into. Okay, this team's good because they're an LPL team. Yeah. That's what I I thought. That's kind of the weird narrative about some of the groups I've seen. Basically, that people have been saying, basically, like, oh, well, they're gonna have LGD, so Group D is stacked. Yeah, and like even uh, I think it was, I want to say like the G two reaction video. Like they were acting like, oh, if we get LGD, it's doomed. Yeah, and I was like, I don't really agree with that. So yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about yeah. there. It, it, they're just they're good. They're a good team. They're not a great team like the other LPL representatives are. So would you? How surprised would you be on a scale of like one to ten if they didn't leave as the one seed from in, in this group? Yeah, I would. So and this is coming from like someone that is not a fan of this team at all. But I I would still be pretty surprised if they don't leave as the one seed in this tournament or in, in this in this playing stage. The only reason I might not be super surprised if they didn't leave as the one seed is just since it's it's one like round robin one round of round robins. If they just lose to Unicorns of Love in one game, then they, they might not be the up. one seed, and it's just one game. So I mean that could happen. So yeah. I might not be super blown away, but I definitely think they're a really large favorite to be the one seed. Yeah, and I guess we should probably touch on that too um, while we're here before I go into these other wild card teams. Uh, I think people underestimate how much it's kind of how they underestimate Senna. Really? It's a double swing, right? You're playing four games in this group stage, one game against each team. All it takes is one game going, and it doesn't even need to be a game between the team that you're looking at. It could be a team between the other, a game between the other two teams that goes, all it takes is one weird result and it can throw the whole group for a loop. We've seen this before, right? All it takes is one weird result. And all of a sudden you have a three, three, you have a, you have a tie for first place and they have to play a tiebreaker. And anything can happen, right? Or if your team is disapp- the team you're looking at le- has one bad loss, and then the other team happens to overplay in a game and wins a game. All it takes is one game, and it can, it, it's a huge deal. You're only looking at what twelve games over the course. No, it's it's however many games over the course of these groups. It's a huge one game is a huge percentage of the overall tournament for these teams, right? So a lot of things can happen. Don't. Just nothing to me. Nothing is is a true lock in these because we've seen some weird stuff happen before. But and we've seen LGD just no show for weeks on end before, which is another thing I don't like about this team. So I, they could just flip tails three times and they're out of this group. Wouldn't that be like that? I guess you know what. Now I'm thinking about it, Josh. It, it kind of wouldn't surprise me, just because of how they play. But I do think like they should be the favorites, and they should get out of this group, and they should be a heavy favorite to do so. So I don't know what the markets are saying about that, John. But yeah, uh, anything else on LGD? We're gonna we're, I, we're probably gonna end up talking about them a lot again once group stage goes through, assuming they get out of this. Bovada has LGD as plus sixteen hundred to lose in the play-in, so they definitely do not think they're losing in the play-in. Yeah, uh, that's. That's maybe close to battle. I, I would want a little bit more, but you know, you know, like this. This is the kind of team that could just do that, right? Is it? Does that mean lose? That means like get fit. No, they have to just lose. Or does that mean 
so not going to the main stage. Yeah. Oh wow. That's like worth considering, right? Because they're going to play a good team from the other group. Unless they get number one, then they don't. It's it's it leads, it's interesting, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Just because of just the nature of this team, they're they're very. They don't. They don't look like a good League of Legends team if they're not way ahead. Like not even just a little ahead, way ahead. They're just they just happen to be very good at getting way ahead. So. Yeah, I definitely kind of feast. For, we're gonna we're gonna end up talking about a lot about LGD because I do think they're gonna get out of this. So let's just uh, go on to these next ones. So maybe maybe not the most likely to get out, but perhaps the most interesting story of the play-in stage is what's going on with Paris Saint Germain Talon, which is the number two representative from the PCS. So the PCS had two teams that were like Machi and and Talon were way better than everybody. Uh, like the third team, HQ was pretty good too. But those three teams were like a, a big cut above the, the field. Like if you look, if you just like look at the numbers in that league, like almost everybody is negative in everything, and those three are like way positive. So they were way better than everybody else. It's like very top heavy. Um, a lot of familiar names from the PCA or from the LMS days. Um, what's interesting here is Paris. So Talon had tank and uh, tank and river for mid and jungle they're both koreans um both have been playing for a long time uh tank's got kind of a special place in my heart because he's a he was a karthus main but uh what's interesting with this team is to me they were the best team in the pcs i think they were a better team than machi they beat machi the week before finals and a best of five went to five games they won three to two if you look at the regular season they were very very good um machi just happened to beat them in finals and if you watch the finals of this, this the summer finals in this league, Talon were like they were way way up in the first game. Probably should have won, just a massive punt. Second game they could have won as well, and they ended up being a three. It was it was a classic case of a three zero that was closer than it looked. But you should criticize them for punting leads, right? It was one of these classic like two of the games were very very close. But the series looks lopsided all of a sudden, so now everybody says, oh, Machi's already in the main event, they're in good shape. And even before all this other stuff we're going to talk about, Talon was just kind of like being treated like, oh, they're, they're not that good, right? I think Talon were the better team this season. Um, interestingly, so Tank and River, the jungle and mid laner, had visa issues. Uh, they aren't going to be able to play in this tournament, so they have to use an emergency sub. They're using um, Uniboy... And uh, Kangue from uh, HQ. And now, as of today, they announced that their AD carry Unified is going to miss a part of the play-in stage. That's quoting their Twitter. Um, you can go to the Paris Saint-Germain Twitter and they have an official announcement about it. They said he was going to miss a por- I think it was a portion of the play-in stage. I don't know how much that is. That could be all the games. That could be one game. That could be one day. I don't know. I would assume it's just the first day, but I don't know. Maybe it's a timing issue. But So what's interesting about this is Talon were a more controlled team. Uh, they were they were kind of like a, like a liquid-looking team for most of the year. They were like the adults in the room in, in the, in the uh, PCS, which was like three-quarters extremely bloody, like crazy teams, and like a couple good, like more disciplined controlling teams. Um, definitely like a more like team liquid looking kind of kind of style, right? But <clears throat> Tank and River were 
kind of off the same page on a lot of things, and this team just won on player skill a lot of the time and overall team play. But there were a lot of situations where their 2v2 wasn't very strong. Uniboy and Kangwe were the opposite. They were like they were the mid jungle duo that took over games for HQ and they like kind of carried that team, which also has some good players on it. But they were like the feature pairing on that team. So before this unified news, I actually think this had potential to be an upgrade for Talon. Talon during playoffs started showing some more up tempo looks. They were showing that they knew that they couldn't just play this way going into worlds. Because they knew they knew they were more than likely going to worlds. So in that last series against Machi, they actually were trying to play aggressive. Like, they were way out of character. Definitely not in Tank's wheelhouse, kind of in River's wheelhouse. Didn't work out well for them, obviously, with the punted leads and everything. So they were already trending in that direction. Adding Kongwe and Uniboy, who have been playing together for a long time and are very, very good at this, I think potentially could be a huge upgrade for this team. If you just look at the players here, all these players are very, very good. And I think all of, all of them besides Kai Wing, the support, have represented at Worlds before. So I actually think Talon are a decent dark horse. Now today, with this news about Unified, um, they're using Machi's sub-80 carries named D. This is kind of an unknown, right? We don't know where this this is going to go. We don't know how many games Unified's going to miss. You're kind of stepping out on a limb and taking a risk with this team because you don't know if there's going to be the synergy, like if these players are going to gel right away. But in a weird way, I kind of think Kongwe and Uniboy are exactly what the doctor ordered for this team to like make them take the next step up. And I think they're both strictly upgrades. I think especially Uniboy because I think Tank gets a little bit over. Tank's numbers are not as good. Like his his numbers are way better than his actual play. If you watch his play, he's he misses a lot of stuff. He has Azir's is most played, and he's not a good Azir player. He's kind of a weird. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird situation there. Uh, misses Zolt very frequently, just not very good. Um, so I actually think Talon have this crazy range of outcomes, and that's the kind of team I like for a dark horse. So, what do you what do you guys think on Talon? Because I think obviously we're gonna get to talk, get to talk about Unicorns of Love, and I think they're another favorite to get out of this group. But I think Talon are maybe the most interesting group or team in play in the whole playing stage, just because of all the stuff going on. Like, did you, what do, what are your guys' thoughts on them? Yeah, obviously it's pretty interesting when you have this many subs coming in for the World Championship, three subs coming in, at least for some portion of the tournament. I do think that the top two teams from the PCS, Talon and Machi, uh, are basically should be treated like a lower-level major region team. Yeah. Like I think that they were good enough that they should be treated kind of like an NA team probably in terms of like their overall abilities in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I do think their region was weaker, but I think they were so much better than their region that that's yeah. probably about how you would want to look at them. So they're they're a favorite for me to get out, but uh, not not far from a guarantee, especially with three subs. Yeah, I do like that it happens to be mid and jungle specifically, and I think bot lane like marksman. I think it's weird mixing up the synergy between support and AD carry, but I do think marksman's fairly replaceable too. I would be much less happy with this if it was like just the mid and top or like something like that. I think bringing a mid and jungle together, and the fact that they're all Taiwanese, so there's not going to be like a language barrier or anything, and all these guys have been playing together and they know each other because they've been playing in the same league together for years. I think there's a chance this has a lot of upside to it. What do you think, Josh? I just I think it's kind of funny because it's like they're almost making like an all star team. Yeah, this is a super. This yeah. is a super team. Yeah, which I just think is like hilarious that that's like allowed. I guess. Like, to me, it seems like there's no way this should be 
legal, right? Maybe it's some like, foul oh, play oh, afoot here. Did you see the yeah. weird announcement Riot made too? Huh? So Riot made an announcement, basically like it was basically like, well, yeah, we're changing the rules for this year because COVID and all these people are having visa issues also. So uh, yeah, we're going to change the rules so people can use emergency subs from teams in the region. <laughs> you love to see it. Yeah, like this seemed a little sketch, right? I, I makes them interesting. Like, I, I really do think that this team's got a good shot. Like the, like John said, the PCS teams are good. If you watch Machi and Talon, they're they're very good teams. Like, you look at their economy numbers; they're they're excellent. They have a they have really solid economy, and they're another one of these teams that's like good without for like they don't get first blood very often. And they're still good, still high goal differentials. Like, they just have good players. I think Hanabi's been a mainstay for a long, long time. Uh, Uniboy and Kong, uh, and Kongue have been, you know, mainstays in that league as well. Like, these players have all been on top. Kai Wing's the new guy. He's kind of like a playmaking support, right? But he kind of does a little bit of everything. Th- these guys are mainstays in that league. They've been on top three teams in that league for a long time, which means that they've been competing at a reasonably high level for, a, like, a long time. So... Yeah, I think I think we're all a little bit bullish on Talon. I'm a lot of bit bullish on Talon because I I kind of think the change might be good for them. It's just going to be a matter of the the biggest question is whether or not they can adjust to this on short notice, right? That's that's the biggest question. It's not a matter of the players because I think the players are upgrades besides Unified and D, but we don't know how many games that's going to be for. So I think we're all kind of that way. Um, any other comments on Talon? We'll get to them in a bit. Let's let's finish this out. So we have Unicorns of Love from the Commonwealth of Independent States. Unicorns of Love completely destroyed the LCL this season. Um, similar to Legacy, just maybe maybe uh, this might be the best team that the LCLs ever sent, and that includes Out of Sox Luna, who made that crazy Cinderella run a few yeah, years I mean, ago. To give people an idea on that, they lost two games this year. Yeah, Unicorns of Love, including playoffs and regular season, they lost they lost one game in the spring regular season. None in the spring playoffs, and then the summer season they lost one game in the playoffs, none in the regular season. Yeah, so, so that, yeah, they're gross. <laughs> yeah, and so this is the same top trio: uh, Boston Anacek and Nomans from last year. This team represented them last year as well. Brought in a new bottom lane, Gadget and Santos, um, in exchange for Inax and Edward, who were the bottom lane last year. Uh, notable because they're still performing at a decent level too, right? Uh, Inax was playing in EU Masters, I believe, right? So. Yeah, this team barely lost at all this season. Um, most of these players are playing against like the top tier EU talent in solo queue. Um, I- I'm positive that UOL probably scrimming EU Masters and LC like LE- LE- uh, LEC teams at some point this season. It's a good environment to you know cut your teeth in. So and historically the LCLs represented well at Worlds also. They've been one of the the, the top like higher tiers of these wildcard leagues. Um, so this team's a little weird. If you look at like how they draft and how they play, they tend to draft scaling, but they play really, really fast. And I don't know if this is just because they're way better than everyone in their league. It kind of feels that way a little bit. But they'll play like a scaling, like two core composition, and then just play it fast as shit and win a game in twenty five minutes. Ananachek's most played this season was Trundle. And he's just like a ganking machine on this champion. They play the weird bottom lanes. We saw some Sona Lux from them. Um Gadget play like I'm pretty sure I've seen Gadget playing like Heimerdinger and some other stuff before. He didn't have any games on the stage with it, but they they will play weird stuff. They will experiment. They will draft one way and play another, which can be a bad thing. And maybe they're not going to be able to get away with that. 
But it also kind of shows me that they're just confident in their abilities, which is what you like to see. Um, I think this team's good. They're very, very good. The players are very, very good. And I think there's a chance that they make some noise, especially in a best-of-one group stage when they could bust out some weird stuff. This league, more than any other league in the world, maybe the VCS, is willing to break out weird stuff. We've We've seen that before, right? The LCL, the players are just very... They just have like the best characters too. All the players from there are always like so quirky and interesting and weird that it's yeah, like the league is Diamond Prox. He's been the he's been like the main face of the league for like five years. And anybody that knows the history of Diamond Prox and Gambit and Moscow Five knows he's going to bring some weird shit to the table. So yeah, um, yeah. So this is a to me. I think any any of these players could probably be on an LEC team. Or like they're at least in that conversation. I think most of them could be playing in EU Masters as well. I, they might be. Is this team better than any of the EU Masters teams? You think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they're a step above. They they could be an LEC team. I think yeah. uh, mid middle of the table or or mid to top table LC LEC team. Yeah. So the, this team is legitimately good. They have a lot of continuity, and the they just made an upgrade. Um, and they're versatile. You look at their number, like. Obviously, the numbers are going to be boosted because they almost didn't lose at all this season. But like their actual economy numbers are outstanding. Eighteen seventy-two gold per minute as a team is one of the best numbers in this tournament uh, for any of the teams. Um, they don't have good vision control, but I think a lot of times they don't have to. That could come back to bite them in this tournament. But this team's good. I think you need to consider them as an option for getting out of this group because I think this team's actually very, very strong. So. Yeah, I think your I think Unicorns of Love is a huge favorite to end up in the three versus two match. Yeah, I don't know whether they'll be the two or the three, but I think they're a huge favorite to end up in that match, and probably the most likely team to eliminate a major region team yeah. from the tournament because they'll yeah. probably end up playing a best of five against either Mad Lions or Team Liquid, and I think they should have reasonable odds against either of those teams. Yeah, uh, yeah, and again, like we're not necessarily saying it will happen or that it's it's necessarily likely to happen. Just that, like, if a team's going to do it, it's probably this team, right? Yeah, I think they're the most likely of the minor region teams to eliminate a major right. region team. You got two more teams in Group B. Um, Rainbow Seven from the uh, Latin American League, um, the Liga Latin Americana. So that is the combined North America. Uh, they combined North and South. They used to be two separate leagues, and they are now they combined earlier this year, and it has elevated the level of competition. Um, this is another number three seed that ended up getting through and beating, in my opinion, two teams that were pretty clearly better than them this season. Um in Isaris and All Knights, who were dominating all year, right? This is yet another situation of maybe peaking at the right time or maybe falling off at the wrong time. So yet another case where maybe not the best representative for a given um, league is going to this tournament. This team was good. Uh, to me, they were like pretty clearly the, number, like the third best team, but they were clearly behind the top two. Um, all three of these teams, like watching the film for them, they were all actually pretty solid. I, I thought they had pretty good film. Obviously, it's an overall, even with the servers combined and playing against the Brazilian, you know, people on the Brazilian server as well. Even with all of that combined, it's still a fairly small player base and compared to some of these other leagues besides Japan, which we're going to touch on in just a second. Um, all three of these teams are actually pretty good. They're more controlled. This seems more of a controlled team, and they, they remind me a lot of... Um, who did I compare them to? It So... 
they're a more like slow and controlled team, and um, their jungler, who I think is like the key player to watch here. By the way, is all he was like the first person to challenger, I think, uh, first person master or challenger, maybe the second person on the super server. By the way, that's notable. Um, is uh, I think it's uh, Jose Dodo. Um, he's like the go get shit done piece. He kind of plays a little bit of everything. Um, this he's kind of like a like a Ning or a Yankos is who I compare him to. Like when you watch him, sacrifices everything to get his lanes ahead a lot of the time, but he's very very good at that. It's a lot of set, a lot of trundle, Lee Sin. Guy, the guy is a highlight reel machine. Like he's he's actually really really fun to watch. Could see him completely dominating solo queue, but. The team does rely heavily on him, so the games where he doesn't get them ahead, it's kind of like LGD a little bit, where if he doesn't... He's like Peanut. If he doesn't get them ahead, then the uh, the rest of his team is not really willing to make plays to make shit happen. They just kind of roll over and die in a lot of their losses. So I do think it's interesting. He might be the best player in this entire league. You have like White Lotus and a couple of the, the other mainstays are still there, but... He, you can make an argument that he's the best player from this region. So it's kind of cool to see him there, but I do think this might not be the best team, even though I don't think they're necessarily a bad team. So what do we think What do we think about um, about Rainbow Seven? I have them rated a little bit differently than you. I think they're the worst team in this group. I actually like V3, uh, prefer V3 to, to Rainbow Seven. Okay. Like you say, I don't think they were the best representative from their region at all. They had a 6-6 six and six regular season. Had a had a bit of a spike during the playoffs, yeah. but uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't think they're that good, and I actually think the Japanese region is has gained a little bit. So I have them as the worst team in the group. Yeah, I kind of think these two are are pretty clearly worse than the other three. Um, I maybe favor Rainbow Seven a little bit more than V three, um, but I definitely think they're the two worst teams by a lot. Yeah, I, I think they're the two worst teams by a fair amount. So, uh, Josh, any thoughts on Rainbow Seven, or we want to jump over to V three? No, that uh, only thing I have to say is from watching um, that Jose Dodo guy seems like he's the real deal for sure. Yeah, he could he could take over he can take over a game. He he really is a lot like vintage Ning, like Invictus World Championship winning Ning, where it was just like I don't care about farming, I'm just gank 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 all the time, right? And he makes it work. So, I mean, that is the kind of wild card you want in a big underdog. Like, they're not just going to be like, oh, we're going to try to play this straight up, right? I would rather see them have a, a just, like, a, a guy like that just to blow a game wide open. But, yeah. Uh, so, I guess we'll just touch on Japan. Um, so, V3 Esports. Um, Japan had two teams that were pretty clearly better than everyone else. Uh, V3 and Detonation Focus Me. Detonation Focus Me are the more household name. They've represented Japan at um, multiple international competitions before. Uh, a lot of familiar names. Not a lot of turnover. Uh, those two teams were pretty clearly better than everyone else. The rest of this league is very, very bad. Like, very, very bad. Um, so, similar to Rainbow Seven, the numbers are inflated quite a bit. So, you can't necessarily look at those too much. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, watching V3, they're... I, I would call it an upset that they beat DFM in finals. Did you watch this finals, John? I only watched the highlights of the finals, but uh, I didn't pay a ton of attention to Japan. I just felt like the the finals in this uh, in the LJL was better than the finals and semifinals in the LLA that I watched. So, 
what's interesting about this is like I, this team was like really really hard for me to to draw comparisons for. Um, they were they kind of remind me a little bit of Team WE in that they have a really supportive style like mid laner, like kind of like like not supportive like literally playing support champions, but like sometimes uh, kind of like Teacher Ma. And Beishang, again, like the super diet, like the, not the Diet Coke version, but like the Diet Shasta Orange version of, of like Team WE, right? Clearly a big difference in, in overall ability here. Um, those two make everything happen. Everybody else just kind of plays meta, like scaling stable stuff that's like pretty balanced overall. So, I do think V3 are pretty good. I agree with you. I think Japan has been a one team show for, basically ever, like ever since the inception of the league a couple years ago, it's been detonation focus mate the entire way. Like it hasn't been particularly close at any point. So it's good to see a team challenging them. And I don't, this, this wasn't a case where it was like a fluke win. I think they were deserving underdogs, but they were like pretty close to on par with detonation focus me. So probably elevated each other, having two good teams in that region as opposed to one now. So they can actually get some good practice against each other. Probably elevates both of them a little bit, I think, which is kind of what you were touching on, John. Uh, I do think the rest of this league was very bad, though. And just Latin America had the same kind of issue, where it was like the top three teams were all like pretty clearly better than everyone else. So, yeah, I I could see the argument for liking V3 more. Uh, their film's good. They're solid. They don't do anything too crazy. Um, I, don't, I don't know. They don't. They don't really particularly stick out in any way, which is not what you like to see in a big underdog kind of team. But I could see you thinking they're better than Rainbow Seven. I do want to take a note that for those that don't know, the Japanese server is like the smallest player base overall. If you want to combine the servers that these these leagues play in, like the Latin American server is technically I think smaller, but or similar size, but. They all play Latin America and Latin America South to combine for a little bit more. Japan is by far the smallest server, by far. Um, the solo queue there is is the, statistically like the worst practice you can get. I'd assume this team scrims against some other teams, but I don't know how how that works. I don't know if the Japanese teams get any kind of respect whatsoever from these other leagues. So I think that's something that's holding them back. Whereas the teams like you know like Turkish teams can sub the like the the Eastern European teams, uh, you know China and Taiwan, Southeast Asia and Korea. Like some of these teams can maybe get scrim time with these teams. I don't know if Japan gets the same treatment or not. That would be to me. That's what's keeping them out of getting out of this group. But I could definitely see like the argument that they're better than Rainbow Seven. I think they're like similar. So, yeah. you go ahead, Josh. Oh, okay. So, Group B is a little simpler to me. Um, I don't think R7 or V3 are doing anything. Yeah, that, I think that's it's exactly the other three right, teams. Yeah. Um, unless Talon just self-destruct with all these roster moves, we could see one of them get into the... I mean, we're going to see one of them play in the bracket. Like, we're going to see one of them play a best of five. Uh, yeah. John, you think it's V3? I think, well, I think the most common result by far is Rainbow Seven and V3 are gone and Talon and Unicorns of Love are the second and third team in some order. Uh, could be Unicorns of Love as the second seed, but either way, they're going to have to play against somebody from the other group. Yeah, well, remember, remember too, like, they're going to, like, they're going to play one of those two, right? The fourth seed plays. 
Yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna play whoever they're gonna lose to whoever, right? Yeah, whoever the fourth seed is gonna lose to whoever's the third seed, and then Talon and Unicorns of Love will play against the other group. That's probably gonna be a three zero in that five best of five too, right? Yeah, I think so. It's a pretty big difference. Yeah, so so for me, yeah, it's gonna be Talon and and Unicorns of Love playing against the other group most likely. Okay, so Josh, you agree with that? Yeah. I uh the only other thing I wanted to toss out is just that we'll get to it, but I'm I am cheering for Talon as well as just like a hoping NA does something because I think that is the best hope that NA has. So if you want something to cheer for and you're not familiar enough with these teams, just cheer for Talon. Right. Well, yeah, and we're we're gonna we're gonna get to that in just a second. So we think Group B is fairly set in stone in terms of like those three are definitely getting out in some order. LGD probably getting out first, right? <clears throat> yeah, most likely. Group A, I think we'll do like consensus is Mad Lions. <clears throat> One second. Mad Lions, Liquid, Supermassive. That that would be my thoughts. The the difference for me between A and B is that in A, I'm not sure who's gonna. I'm not yeah. sure who's the big favorite to get out automatically. Whereas B, I'm, I think LGD is the big favorite to get out automatically. Right. So let's let's like quickly lay this bracket out then. So we'll say Mad and LGD get out. I think Liquid could be the number one seed, but Madden LGD, we'll, we'll just for the sake yeah. of this conversation, we'll promote those two to the main event. Yeah. Liquid is going to play <clears throat> the winner, presumably the winner of either, they're going to play Talon or, or Unicorns of Love, because I don't think Rainbow 7 or V3 is going to beat either of those teams. So, fourth place will be Rainbow 7 V3, they're going to play either Talon or Unicorns of Love, and probably lose. So, Liquid against Talon. That that I think is a reasonable like thought on something that might happen. Liquid versus Talon, and that's a that's a very good match in my opinion. Yeah, I, I actually think that's fairly close. Like, I think real, that's a I good really match. do. Yeah. Um, Liquid against Unicorns of Love, also I think pretty close, right? Yep, I think they're both very close. I think whoever comes second in that group A is is in for a, a tough time. They're going to have to play a very good team. Yeah. Um, going the other way. Uh, Talon against Supermassive. I think either Talon or Unicorns of Love will be a favorite against Supermassive. Uh, maybe not a huge favorite, yeah. but enough of a favorite that I would expect either Talon or Unicorns of Love to beat Supermassive. I'd, I'd agree there. And then Talon or Unicorns of Love against Legacy. Same kind of thought process. Maybe maybe slightly bigger favorite. Yeah, that's, that's about how I feel. Yeah, This is no disrespect to Legacy, by the way, but because they, I do think they're very good, but I, I think either of those teams are, are going to struggle against either of those teams from Group B, right? I mean, it could happen. We could get some wild representatives here, but INTC is not doing anything. I don't think R7 or V3 are doing anything. So I think these are the three worst teams in the tournament. I think they're going to be out. And one of the one of them, Rainbow Seven V three, one of them is going to make it to a best of five and probably get three would So we don't got to worry about them. We can kind of throw those out. I I would actually be shocked if INTZ won a game. I'd be utterly shocked. And that's in a best of one where you can try some weird shit. So it's looking like we'll probably end up getting, based on what we've said, it's probably just going to be mad and like maybe like kind of close to a coin flip between. It's going to be Madden LGD and then, like, Liquid Talon and Unicorns of Love, one of those, two of those three. Yeah, I think winning Group A is going to be really important for Mad Lions or Team Liquid. It's going to make their life a lot easier if they yeah. can just win it outright and not have to play the best of five. So, 
So um, is is it? I mean, obviously, this might be matchup dependent, and you know we'll, we can go into more detail. But like, just like gun to your head right now, who are the four teams getting out of the playing stage? I'm gonna go LGD Unicorns of Love, Mad Lions, and I'm trying to think. I'm trying to make sure this plays out correctly so that I'm actually calling teams that can get out. Yeah, because yeah, because like, Team Liquid and Unicorns of Love can't get out together. So it would have Correct. to be Talon, Unicorns of Love. LGD and Mad Lions. I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna lose whoever is the second team in Group A. I, that's that, my prediction is that whoever comes second in Group A is going to get upset by the third seed from Group B. Okay. Wait. I'm double checking myself. On both sides. I thought it has to be two from no. each group that get out. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. Yeah. So Liquid Liquid plays one of those two, and then second plays. No, that could happen. Yeah, no, it, it can happen because the, happen. Second, the second and third teams from the same group can both win their best of fives. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Talon, Unicorns of Love, LGD, and either Mad Lions or Team Liquid. I don't. I think they're both about fifty fifty to come first in the group. I think whoever comes second is gonna get upset by Unicorns of Love. That's my my hot take. Yeah, I think this is definitely interesting. I, I would actually say, oh man. Although if Unicorns of Love comes second in the group, then I'm a little bit less confident in Talon beating uh, beating ta- beating Liquid. I I, th- I think Unicorns of Love is so malleable. I think they're really really good in best of fives, and we've seen it in the past that they can be very very good in those situations. Yeah. So I think they have the ability to, to to be the upsetter. But if they come second, then they just play super massive probably, and they, I think they'll just beat them. And then it's a little closer for me between like say Team Liquid and Talon. Uh, I I kind of think I might be getting a little too cute. Just because I do think it's light, like <clears throat> I think it's on the table that Liquid or Mad Lions lose to one of these teams. I don't necessarily think it's likely, so I think in my head I'm saying, "Oh, it could be LGD Talon, Unicorns of Love, and Mad Lions." But I think when you think about it, like going down the line, I, I do think it's probably just going to be Mad Liquid, LGD, and I'll go with Talon. So I think Mad LGD, Liquid, and Talon. That's going to be who it is for me. For me, the bigger thing is just that it's – if it weren't a best of five, I would agree. Like, even if it were just a best of three, yeah, I just can't see Matt or Liquid losing a best of five to these two te- to either of those two teams. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's kind that, of the that, – cha- that, that's where I'm at with it too. Like, it's just kind of challenging to see that happening. So, I think I, I think it's just going to be, like, the ones and twos, like, in the actual finish get out. But I do think – we're probably going to get a really good price on Talon or Unicorns of Love against Liquid or Mad Lions. We're going to get a good price on that for sure, and I'm, I'm almost definitely going to be on the underdog in those cases, even if I don't necessarily think that's how it's going to play out. Because, like, like, what are they going to price that series at, right? Like, it's going to be Liquid. Liquid versus Talon is going to be, like, probably, like, minus 350 for Liquid or something like that, maybe more. I don't know how they'll price it. They might price it a little bit closer than that, depending on how the group stages yeah. go. They'll have the evidence from the group stages before they price it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, like, thinking ahead, knowing how this kind of stuff ends up playing out a lot of the time. Like, I know for a fact I'm going to be playing the dog in that spot unless it's really, really close, like, closer than – if the books actually put a close number out, maybe Liquid loses two games or something before, um, like, before play-ins. I don't know. So, I, yeah, I, I think 
it's weird. The draw was kind of lopsided, but because of the way it played out, I actually think it makes this extremely interesting, like way more interesting than planes usually is. Do you guys agree on that part? You're muted there, John. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty interesting. I think my only real hot take though in the end is that I think Unicorns of Love is going to get out. I think yeah. Unicorns of Love is very good and I think they're they're going to find a way to get out here. Whether it's coming second in their group and beating Supermassive or coming third and beating Mad Lions or Team Liquid. Yeah. I, yeah, to just to be clear, like I, I said Talon, but I I really I think that it's a coin flip between those two. I think Unicorns is really really good too. Uh Josh, what do you think? Like this is interesting this is interesting how this draw like played out, right? I almost kind of like it when the one group is stacked more. It makes the things like more interesting. Uh, maybe okay. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting as well. Um, I do have a tough time seeing like either TL or Liquid not or or Mad not not making it out personally. Um, but I do think it'll be interesting to see, um, and especially. The fact that I think what what's going to be really interesting for me is the whole double round robin aspect. Um, since you get both sides, like maybe there's just one team that goes like four and zero on blue and zero and four on red. I think that'd be hilarious to see. Well, because well, um, so. they're only playing they're only playing two on each. You're only playing each team once, not double. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, so they're playing they're playing two. Yeah, like maybe they just catch the hard teams on blue side or yeah. something like that, and that could end up like losing it for them. Which is we that's, talked about that a little yeah. bit. That's right. I forgot about it because it used to be the double round yeah. robin, which is what I had in my head. Yeah. But it's, uh, I actually think that that's one of the most punishing aspects, actually, is, is that if you are a team that's, you know, better at adjusting in your second, second go round, um, then like you could just get completely screwed by the format change. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting just in general, like the whole, the whole new format altogether. Plus the metagame um, changes too. Like Caitlyn might yeah. not just be like automatically, you know, right. be one every single game. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of just excited to get into it. Cause I, it's just hard to theory craft anymore yeah. at this point. Like, so we'll, we'll, let's, let's briefly, I'll say briefly, um, <laughs> let's touch briefly on the, how this plays out for groups, because there's one, there's one way this plays out where it's just set in stone. Um, if Mad Lions, Liquid, LGD, and Talon get out, the groups are already locked and predetermined. So Liquid would slide into group A. Obviously, this is because of the format where you can't have two teams from the same league in the same group. So if those four win, the groups are going to be locked. So we'd have Liquid to group A, Talon to group B, LGD to group C, and Mad to group D. Um, We've kind of talked a lot about this on Twitter, but like briefly, I think I think that actually that would be like an insanely interesting draw. For it would make it would make the actual main event group stage like really really interesting to me. I think there's like one group that's kind of lopsided, and that would be it. What does this is something I didn't investigate because the groups play out in such an obvious way. If the four major region teams get out. I need to look and see what gets messed up if Unicorns of Love gets out of their group. Yeah, I'm going to take a quick look at that as well. If, so. if you get Unicorns of Love over Talon, then it basically TL has a 50-50 shot between A and B, and Unicorns of Love has a 50-50 shot between A and B. They would just draw out of a hat. So yeah. that, that means Unicorn of Love could go into group A. Correct. And funny enough, like 
they might be able to get out of group they a could get out of group a. Era, then they have a shot to get out of group a yeah they could get out of group a. b is probably doomed but if they if if unicorns of love happen to get into group a i think we at least have some shot of seeing a minor region team in the in the playoffs yeah which always makes things a little bit more interesting because like when it's really chalky like that it's like yeah yeah, like yeah. everybody likes the Cinderella story, right? Like, yeah, everybody likes something cool, you know. That year with Alice Ox Luna, like it was partially because the players were just interesting and like the stuff that they were doing was really, really interesting. But like that team was beloved by everybody. That team mm-hmm. was so fun to watch. They were like the they were like new. They were like the the modern incarnation of Mo, like Moscow Five, right? Like just the spirit of it, like just the bizarre characters. It was it was super fun. So that would be the case there if um. Yeah, so yeah, URL could go to Group A, and like that—that's the only. I mean, realistically, that's the only other likely scenario. I think if you think Supermassive or Legacy beat one of these two teams, it ends up playing out the same way, right? Like it's just going to be split between A and B. I'm trying to look at it now. Well, that actually makes that opens up like one more chain of opportunities because you wouldn't have EU locked, right? Yeah, D two. D will open up if Mad Lions doesn't get out. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. Like, just anything that, like, I think what you said is, like, the most poignant point of all this. Like, if you're looking for, like, the way that a wild, like, if you're looking for the way that a wildcard team gets out of main event group stage, I think Unicorns of Love in group A is an option. Um, I think that's it, right? Because I don't think, like, Talon couldn't get into group A. Yeah, Talon are forced. Talon are forced into. Is it Group B? Well, if, yeah, if Talon win, it would be. I think they're forced into Group B because LGD has to go into C. Well, so here's the thing. Like, yeah, if Talon win, Mad Lions don't get out. Then yeah, like it depends on who loses out, between but... Liquid and Mad Lions, right? So, yeah. like, if they could conceivably go into, they're going to be in not A. If that ha- if they win, they'll be in not Group A. If they win and aren't in the number one seed. So, yeah, we could theorize about that, but like that, I think that was. I mean, obviously, we're gonna have to wait and see how this plays out. Weird shit happens, but um, just you know, thought we'd touch on maybe a couple possibilities there. Any futures you guys like now? I haven't. Um, I, I've looked a little bit into this, but I've more been studying the film on these wildcard teams more than watching the markets. Um, like big picture, like multiple books looking all over the place. Um, any futures that stick out to you now that the uh, group draw has um, been settled? I'll say they're changing rapidly. Um, clearly, Bobata doesn't necessarily know what to do with a lot of these. Yep. We talked about it before the cast, but my favorite one was the TSM one. I recommended TSM getting eliminated in groups at plus 150 on Twitter the other day, and that is now minus 1,000. So that's clearly not like people betting it. That's like Bobata being like, hold on, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. But there's another one that's even more obvious, which is literally when we started the show, DRX was minus 250 to get eliminated in the group stage, which we were talking about. And I was like, that's crazy. Why do they think they're plus 350 now? So like Bovada is like rapidly shifting these lines around all over the place. Um, so they clearly don't know what they're exactly what they're doing. Here. Yep. <laughs> uh, but as far as futures, um, I kind of liked, uh, DRX and Gen G, I think, are both at really large numbers to win the whole tournament. I think they're two teams that are almost definitely going to find themselves in the in the final eight. And if they're both in the final eight and you got them at like plus sixteen hundred, plus eighteen hundred, plus two thousand, I feel like you already won if they're yeah. in the top eight and you got them at plus eighteen hundred or whatever. So 
they're they're teams that are capable of beating anybody that they play if the if it's the right day. Um, those are some of my favorites. Yeah. I, I really liked G two before as well when they were plus fourteen hundred, but Bovada has dropped them all the way down to plus six twenty five now. Yeah, which I, don't I, I know. Value, I know a few so. other places are like eight or nine ballpark as well, so not not too great there. Um, Josh, anything you're looking at, or are you just kind of like waiting it out? I I haven't looked at any of the futures yet. Honestly, um, I've been kind of uh, wrapped up in the NFL season starting out. Yeah. But uh, so I, I haven't looked too much into it. Um, I think the most interesting ones that I've heard, at least, or one that I think I'll be interested in, I think, is going to be, I think, DRX um, to win it all. Just because I, I think, like, the perception on them – probably got really bad after the way summer split ended for them yeah yeah so um that's that's one i'll at least i've had kind of like on my radar of something i want to check when it comes out to see yeah i I think those two are the most egregiously priced right yeah i think this year has a lot of teams that are capable of winning more so than a lot of years there's like six for me yeah, there's there's a lot of teams that can win, so I don't like betting the favorites at all. Like uh, I think JDG's line is too low, Top Esports' line is too low, low. Damwon's is too low for me. Um, so I, I'm not a fan of those ones. I like the other teams in the six. Like I said, I like G2 when they were like plus fourteen hundred, and then DRX and Gen G make sense to me as well. I got Damwon at four, which was good enough for me because I do think they're the best team. One interesting feels bad bet. We discussed it earlier in the day, but it, it feels bad to make it, but it just has to be profitable. Is top esports to get eliminated in the group stage, which is plus five thousand. Yeah, fifty to one for that. Yeah, get out yeah, of here. I'll take that. Fifty to one on getting eliminated in the group stage. I mean, there's they're they're definitely gonna be in the same group with DRX, who I think is definitely capable of beating them. Yep. And then they're gonna be up against, you know, it just as a matter of dropping a game or two against FlyQuest or whoever else gets into the group. Mad Lions. Uh, Yeah, and it's likely Mad Lions and could Top Esports lose two games over the course of a weekend to FlyQuest and Mad Lions? Yeah, absolutely. So at 50 to 1, I mean, if it was plus 2,000, I'd probably pass on it, but 5,000 is too big. I think the thing people, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I think similar to the playing group stage, like the main event group stage, it's six games. One game can literally change the entire group. And it might not even have, it, it might be a game that has nothing to do with you. Like how many how many excellent teams have we seen go like four two and like it forced a tiebreaker and they happen to lose that tiebreaker? There's been a number of them over the years, right? Like good oh, teams yeah, too. So, like I don't think anyone would dispute that Top is one of the best teams in the world, but it doesn't mean that they're like a certified lock to win this thing. It doesn't mean the certified lock to get out of group stage. We've seen the best team in the tournament get eliminated in groups before. So, do I think it's likely? No, but I don't think it's as unlikely as fifty to one. That's for damn sure. That's one thing people don't take advantage of enough is books do this and they do it basically on purpose. They give you bets that are definitely profitable for you, but are unlikely to win. Yeah, because it, it is enticing and they can they're going to make money on it most of the time. Um, and and I think they know that you're not going to be able to realize your advantage because you're not going to get to bet that same bet fifty times in yep. your lifetime. And so they can give you fifty to one on it. And if it only if you only get those odds eight times in your lifetime, you're a favorite to just lose eight units. So they they don't mind giving it to you when you're not gonna be able to realize an edge on it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think um, I would just say, especially people that are new to this, and I'll, I'll just a reminder to veterans of the scene, like people that have been watching this for a while, 
just don't forget how much one matchup that might not even be including the team that you're looking at can affect the entire outcome of things. And I think that's something that people don't factor in nearly enough. I've definitely made that mistake in the past where I'm like, oh, this team is clearly better than everyone else, but I completely underrate the fact that, oh, two and three are actually close, and I could see the fourth team in this group actually getting two wins or something. And I, you, It's really easy to be like, that team's good, they're getting out. You need to look at the whole situation, which is why I think what makes that's what makes the play-in stage so interesting this year is that I think we have five legitimately pretty good teams, and only one of them is not making it. So, yeah. Um, I'm not going to do pick of the week this week because – uh, I think we'll wait and do some futures and stuff like further down the road. We've mentioned a couple on here that I think are definitely intriguing. I got Dan Juan at four to one before the playing stage. That was my pick of the week last week. Um, look, I still like Gen G and Dragon X. I was waiting to see where they would go, but I still like those two at anything above fifteen to one because I think. I mean, I- I've said it to you guys. I think Gen G are like the second best team in the world, maybe the third best team in the world. Like they're top four to me, and when you can get a team that's top four like that at you know that's probably going to make it to the top eight at fifteen to one. Yeah, that's to me, it's no contest. Like that's unless they catch a bad matchup or something. Like look look at the middle of the table. I think is is the best way to do it. And like because uh, like you said, like the top the top of the table, it's it's priced down too much. And there's like six or seven, maybe eight teams that could conceivably win this tournament, and it wouldn't be too surprising. So I think that's going to be it for us this week. Anything else, guys? Sign-offs? What have you been doing outside? So we got a new TFT set. I know you guys were talking about that. I know Josh and I have been kind of knee-deep in the, the NFL kicking in. Um, how was your opening weekend, Josh? I played Michael Thomas in cash, so. Ooh. It was uh, not fun. Yeah, I was uh, I was part of the Boston Scott Brigade in the few lineups <laughs> that I played. So no no love on the Boston Scott Brigade. Yeah, as a as an Eagles fan, that was a uh, very disappointing. I wish this team could ever stay healthy. They'd be so good. <laughs> They'd be so. I will good, say, man. I got I uh, made some very nice money last night on the Nuggets. Uh, Ooh, the, the Nuggets were plus two fifty five to win oh, game I think seven. I seen. I remember seeing something. And that like just that. that just seems crazy to me, dude. It's one game, and they're. They're two and a half to one dogs when they're on a like they they're in the comeback. They just won the last two games in a row. Like all the momentum is with them. Just seemed crazy to me. So I bet the Nuggets, even though I don't really follow the NBA, was was there like game. some kind of like I saw so many people talking about this and I started thinking about it. I was like, is there some kind of were the books like hedging against their futures liabilities? Maybe I think really the Clippers were just everybody's like like preseason people thought the Clippers they were, were top, winning the they were, Yeah, they were uh, one of the two favorites, right? Yeah, and then they came in and, and kind of won the early portion of the series, so people just thought they were going to run the Nuggets over, and I guess the, they just never adjusted from that. I heard that the Nuggets were that big of an underdog in every game in the series, but I don't really follow the NBA that much. So, Josh, did you did you follow along with that? No. Uh, when when I posted the bet that you tailed me on for the Lakers, the Clippers were the favorites to win the West, so I think, like, even over the Lakers. So I, I think the books – just for like, there's no way they lose this game. I guess like I didn't see that last That's night. That's what I was thinking. I was like, were they like hedging against futures or something? Because like it just seems so weird. It's one game. I don't know how they'd be how that's hedging against futures though. Well, yeah, I mean, that, well, that's what I mean. Like, it was, it was just so weird that it felt like something else had to be at play. You know, what I was like that. That's yeah. that's what that's what I looked at. I was like, again, because I didn't follow that series, but like if you just look at the line histories, like there was like an extra hundred points on that game. Mm-hmm. Like what? Yeah. 
It didn't make much sense to me, for sure. I do but hope that I do hope that esports gets to the point where we can eventually have like because one of one of the best things I do, it's the most profitable thing I do in traditional sports, especially the NFL, is basically futures as you go, like mm-hmm. constantly yeah. changing futures. So you hit stuff that's that's mispriced before the season starts, and then you can kind of like over the course of the season, like keeping track of it, you can kind of like build middles for yourself more or less that basically guarantee a profit for you you're obviously it sucks putting that money away for a long time but like i kind of hope esports gets to that point because that's like that's like the one thing that i've like i make a killing on that every year in the, yeah, NFL. the arbitrage is arbitraging yeah. is, is really really nice and it just that's, sucks that, like we kind of have like the the best the best we get for that is like we get preseason bets and then we get like like a situation like we had right now where you can go before the group draw and then after the group draw and that's like it that's all we get for the most part, for esports, so I do think um, a lot of people in the Discord have been exploring like the champion picks and stuff like that. I think that's that's an interesting market to look into for sure. But yeah, yeah, that's one I don't know enough about. A lot of people have asked me about it. I don't, I don't have really strong opinions on any of the champion pick ones. That's more for like a, an actual league specialist to have a better idea. I think uh, about. Their potential to deal damage and things like that. Dude, if I took I the don't time on that, I'm game. confident I could crush that shit. I just need to I take the time on it. Let's see. As far as other things for sign off, uh, only two things I'll say. Number one, uh, I do have a, a show in the works for the esports department that I want people to walk out for. I've been I spent like the last month and a half interviewing people, talking to people, trying to put together a really good cast for a show that we're going to have in spring. So keep your eyes out for that. I got some really really good people, and I think it's going to be really really fun once it gets uh, loaded up. And then the other thing is, I really want Gelati to, to review these VODs I that know, I sent him. I know. And I hope that everybody tunes in, because I think you're going to have a lot of fun watching somebody review these VODs. i have to do VODs. that this weekend. I am, I am a player that is going to be very fun to review. I have very, very clear strengths and very, very clear weaknesses that are going to be very funny to review on, on film, I think. So. We all do that this weekend. I, I kind of got bogged down with a whole bunch of stuff this week and last week. So I think it's going to be great. There's four games. It'll take like two hours to review them, and I think there'll be a lot of fun. We'll have fun with it. Um, I want to say one other thing. So the the plan, the tentative plan for next week is that we're going to do like a super show. I think that's the idea. I kind of teased it at the front. But with playing starting next week, I think uh, to me this is like a time of celebration. Worlds is fun every year. It's like the World Cup, basically. Like, just it, you only get it every so often. You get it once a year. I wish we had more big tournaments, but we don't. So, I think I want to take it as a time to celebrate. We're gonna pull in a whole bunch of special guests, and we're gonna do like rapid fire, uh, like you know, ten to fifteen minute segments with each person, kind of discussing their overall thoughts on Worlds. We have a a whole list of people that we're going to try to get on to try to go through that. And we're going to have like, it's probably going to be a, a little, a little on the longer end next week, but uh, I think that's going to be really fun. We'll get, you'll get some exposure to people that maybe you haven't heard before, get some different opinions in here and, uh, you know, make it a celebration of everybody that's doing league content and celebrate worlds. And we'll, we'll have a really good time with it. And that's the, that's the plan for next week. So um, I think you guys got anything else. That's it for me. Take the under on Thursday night football. That's my <laughs> that's my under. That's my that's my my non league stuff this week. So, all right, guys, everybody have a good weekend. We will see you guys next week with the Super Show in whatever iteration that ends up coming out in, and we look forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope to see you guys next week and enjoy this weekend. Have a good one, everybody.
The Gold Card podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode. Oh,